Well, good morning. Yeah, next Sunday, it's going to be a, a lot of exciting things are happening with, you know, kicking off Christmas blessing that we just heard about. Uh, next week, we also have our RH Belong, which is our membership class. We have about six, seven spots left for that that goes from 11 to 2. Uh, that is just a really great way to get connected here uh, about who we are, where we've been, where we are, where we're going. You get to have a lunch with Pastor Bill and his wife, Kathy, Ask him all those burning questions you want to ask him face-to-face. This is your time uh, to do that. Uh, and then really make a priority from two weeks from today for that family update. That's going to be a real important time for our faith family to come together. We'll be over in the fellowship hall, the fellowship center, uh, for that uh, afternoon together. Well, uh, my name is Tyler. For those of you, I do not know. I am the engagement pastor, and so whether you're here in person or watching online at home, uh, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I've been uh, really excited for the opportunity to, to teach uh, this morning. Uh, as we've been talking about prayer, um, before we, we, we get into this morning, I just feel like it was the most appropriate thing to do um, between what Rick taught on last Sunday about this concept of God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven and having that kingdom mindset. And today, what does it mean to have the posture of petition and intercessory prayer as we ask God for daily dependence? Um, and so in the midst of, of, of this week and, and, and last Sunday, uh, just so much turmoil and, and, and tragedy playing out in Israel and Gaza and Palestine, and it's such a biblically charged, politically charged, social economically charged event that I am not the person who can speak into how it can be resolved or any of this stuff, but what I can do is it's forced me to be in prayer this week. And because I sit there and I see whew, the horrific images on our phones and our screens of the innocence of things that are just being stripped from parents, grandparents, homes and lives just tragically uh, flipped upside down. Uh, this overwhelming sense of helplessness that also met with God, we need you, because so often we pray that we would see the world through the lens of our Heavenly Father. And so if it breaks my heart the way it's just been breaking mine, I can only imagine a God who loves his people so perfectly. These are his sons and daughters. Even the evil that is being perpetrated, these are image bearers. And God desires for reconciliation and healing for these people. Jesus says we pray for our enemies. We pray for the lost. And so as we open our time to prayer, this isn't just because it's church and this is what we're supposed to do, but I think it's the right thing to do, that we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for our ministry leaders who are literally on the front lines, praying for people who don't know Jesus, who are seeking hope for a time of hopelessness. And what I'm so thankful for in times like this, when I don't know how to pray, and I don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit says in God's word, intercedes on our behalf of our prayers for the groanings of our hearts and things that we can't articulate. The Holy Spirit moves on our behalf. And so as we go into learning how to pray, will you invite, I wanna invite you as we just open up in a time of silence, 
uh, for Israel and for Gaza and for Palestine and just that situation and then I will, I'll close our time in prayer. Holy Spirit, we, we ask that you would just bring about an overwhelming sense of peace that surpasses all understanding as you say in your word. Lord, we pray for people in power we pray for local governing officials. And we pray for the community, Lord, that has just experienced so much evil. Lord, and not just this week, we know that there is history. And while we know the history, we also pray in the hope because we know the future of your will being done on earth as it is in heaven and that you are bringing about a new creation and a new earth. But Lord, right now, we cry out to you for wisdom. We cry out to you for protection. We cry out to you for healing of the land. And so Lord, even in our times of feeling helpless, that we would not stop praying and interceding on behalf of, of the brokenness of this world and our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the globe, but specifically today in Israel, in Gaza, and in Palestine. We love you. Thank you that we can come to you with this. Thank you that this is not news to you, that you are in control. And so God, would you continue to move in that situation? We pray this in your name, amen. Well, this month, we've been doing this series called Teaching, Learning to Pray, and we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is something that we see in the Gospels, not once, uh, but twice, actually. We see it the first time in Matthew during the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is teaching to the multitudes about kingdom living and kingdom principles, about what does it mean to be a follower of the way of the kingdom. And then a few years later, uh, we see this account in Luke chapter 11, where the disciples are sitting around with Jesus, and they say, Jesus, they don't ask him to teach us how to do miracles, teach us how to heal, teach us how to preach, teach us how to worship, teach us how to share our faith. They don't ask Jesus that, at least in Scripture, but what they ask him is, teach us to pray. They saw that this was a lifeline that Jesus shared with his heavenly father and they saw that how it impacted the way Jesus ministered, the way he loved his people, the way he went to the ends of the earth for his people, how he would leave the masses to go after the one who was hurting. And they said, that, that's who we wanna be. And so if we 
Say, as a church, we want to think, love, and live like Jesus. The way we can do that is by simply being in the presence of Jesus. And we do that through prayer. Because prayer is more than just talking to God, but it is talking with God. It is listening to God. And again, just that being in his presence. And so as we're learning how to ask and learning what does it mean to pray, what are the, the, the perimeters, the guidelines, the boundaries in which we, we ask God for things in our lives, it's something that we, we are on a journey and something that we will be learning uh, every day of our life, this side of eternity, to, to, to clamor to be in the presence of Jesus. And so uh, now I had to kind of relearn a couple weeks ago how to pray. Uh, because maybe for parents, grandparents, those of you maybe who babysit, uh, when it comes to bedtime routines, there is a rhythm and there is a pattern. And sometimes there are duties that mom has that dad doesn't do and vice versa, right? And when mom and dad try to do the other person's jobs, we get scolded because that's not how mom does it, right? So in my household, like here's, we're gonna get personal, uh, Apparently, I'm really good at back scratching, but that is exclusive to my family. Um, that's awkward. Uh, but with my son, and uh, only dad can do scratches on the back, right? And so my wife, Kate, she'll pray for Max. And so the way they, they pray is that I don't know if it's somewhere in his six-year-old mind that if I'm saying, dear God, in the midst of millions of other people saying, dear God, at the same time, how's he gonna know it's me? And so he makes Kate say this, Hey, God, it's me and Max. And that's how they start every prayer. So it's like, God, loud and clear, it's mom and Max. We're here to do it. And so I'm trying to pray, and he stops me. He's like, that's not how you do it. I'm like, okay, teach me how to pray. Is it just the, 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 the salutations, or is it the whole format and flow of our prayer time? And it was the latter, and we, we learned that. And in the same ways, when I'm gone, uh, I feel bad for Kate because her back scratching on is just not up to par with mine. And so I'm, I'm a really good artist. What can I say? But uh, the disciples are doing that. They're asking Jesus to pray. And so when he's with his disciples and Luke, after he hears it from the, he taught on it in the Sermon on the Mount, when they ask him, they say, could Jesus teach us to pray? Because followers, apprentices who were sat under the teachings of their rabbi we're so uh, immersed in the comings and goings and traditions uh, of their rabbi and even the prayers that they would pray the same prayers of their rabbis. And so the disciples seeing Jesus as their Messiah, but also as their master and their Messiah and teacher, they're saying, instruct us on how we can pray like you. And so Jesus wasn't like, well, hey, remember a couple years ago when we were with all those people, like, and I kind of said, here's how we do it. Okay. Now we're going to take it deeper, and here's how we really pray. No, like he repeats it verbatim. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here is the only caveat between the two times. On Sermon on the Mount, it says, give us today our daily bread. But in Luke, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. And the Greek in that phrase in the passage of Luke is specific to the imminence and the importance of the present dependence upon God. 
And so we only see that used one or two other times. And then it goes on, and so give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the glory, the power forever. Amen. And so this is the pattern in which we follow Jesus' teaching. It's very simple, but yet it's simply profound when we follow this pattern. And so we're going to talk about this phrase today, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, Eugene Peterson has a book out called Leap Over a Wall, and I want to share this quote. I love what it said about prayer. It says, praise and thanksgiving are always appropriate, certainly. And it's certain that our final prayers will all be praise, heaven reverberating with our amens and hallelujahs. So practicing the scales of praise is always a good idea. But for here and now, we mostly ask. Jesus taught us to ask. Dozens of times in the Gospels, Jesus teaches, encourages, invites his followers to ask. Just a couple of examples. Matthew 21, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Matthew 7, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give gifts to those who ask? Luke 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Mark 11, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we hear this and we read about this. And so the question is, is like, well, why aren't we all praying more, right? Like we should just be asking for things nonstop, as the apostle says, praying without ceasing. But the problem is, is when we look at all these verses and we take them out of context, we can misconstrue the purpose of the ask because God is not our personal wish granter, our personal genie. As much as we might try to bargain, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but like, what was it, like $1.7 billion, right? Powerball. And so like, God, if I win, you know, I will give all the money, clean water everywhere. World hunger, what's that? That's in the past. I will be so generous as if God's like, oh, I want to do these things. I just don't have the resources, Tyler. But thank you for praying, so now I'll let you win the Powerball. No. We, 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 we bargain with God, right? We try to do that. But here's the thing. It is not transactional. Romans 11 says that there is nothing that we can give God because God owes us nothing. And when we think that we can do enough good acts or we do enough goodwill towards others and that God will respond. We can make a withdrawal from our savings account in the prayer department. That's what the world calls karma. And that is the polar opposite of the gospel. And that's not how God works. That's not how God intercedes. Does God care about the provisions and our plans for our life? Absolutely. But there are boundaries and ways that we go to prayer and for the things that we ask. Uh, Tyler Staten, he's the pastor at Bridgetown Church here in Portland, uh, wrote this book that is so good, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. It's a great title. Um, he also sits on the board for 24-7 uh, Prayer for North America. Says this, is the assumption of biblical prayer is that God's actions always precedes my requests. 
The aim is not to get God in on what I think he should be doing. Rather, the aim of prayer is to get us in on what God is doing, to become aware, to join in it, and to enjoy the fruit of participation. Prayer is the recovery of our role in God's created order, the recovery of our true identity and the relationship that defines and that identifies us. Essentially, what it says is when we we pray to God, we're reminded that God, it's his story. He's the main character, and we've been invited into it. We've been adopted into his story as sons and daughters for those who follow Jesus. We are not inviting God into our story. We are not the main characters because then that breeds the lie of self-sufficiency, of control, and that robs us from the richness of a faith of knowing the giver of good gifts. And so when we think about these daily bread prayers, it's when essentially we're saying, God, align the desires of your heart with the desires of my heart. And when we're able to do that, that changes how we pray. It should. It should transform the way we pray. It transforms us, transforms me. And so how do we do that? And so I was thinking of, of a funnel, you know, and it you know, starts wide and it kind of gets down to the, to the finer point. So it, it collects the mess and it can get it to where it needs to be without spilling, right? And so I think of the Lord's Prayer and how we've been going through this. And so we start off with God and his vastness and greatness who spoke the cosmos into existence and yet is so infinite and yet personal and intimate with his creation that not only does he know the numbers of hairs on our head and the breaths that we will take in this lifetime, but he loves us to the point where he gave up his son on the cross. And so we start off with saying, God, you are God, hallowed be your name. We're given praise and glory where it's due. We're not piling it upon ourselves because it's not where it belongs, it belongs on God. So we're saying, God, this is who you are. This is where I've seen you in the past and you are unchanging. So I'm praying and claiming that truth that you are still that way. And then as I wrap my mind around that, then I begin to focus and pray, God, in light of these truths and who you are, I have a lot of things going on in my life right now. Good, bad, it's kind of in the middle. But Lord, because of who you are, I want your will to be done, not mine. Because if everything was about me, then that's, that's selfishness. And pride, pride gives to us, like it feeds us, it probably gives us a gift, but then it takes everything from us. And so when we pray, God, your will be done. Not mine, not my desires. I mean, do I want those things? Absolutely. And God, do you care for those things? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I surrender what I want to what is best. And if it doesn't make sense, I know that you are good. I know you go before me. I know that you are gonna give me the things that I need in this moment. And sometimes those are the things we pray for specifically. And sometimes I have to believe that God sits there and goes, I hear you, but I'm gonna give you this instead, even though you're not asking for it, because I love you and I'm a giver of good things and this is what you need. And so God cares about the big things, but God also loves hearing his people pray for the small things because that cultivates a spirit of gratitude. And gratitude is important for us when it comes to showing thanks to Jesus. So number one, when we ask for daily bread, 
We are expressing our individual needs. We're saying, God, we're coming to you as the bread giver, and I have needs. And so what, what, is, what does that mean uh, for our individual needs? Well, he teaches us that we are to approach the throne of grace in confidence. Like the six-year-old confidence, hey, God, it's me, Max. You know, it's, it's me, Tyler. You know, it's like, is it okay that I'm here? It's like, yes, he is inviting me into his presence so that I can ask in confidence for the desires of my heart. As we mentioned earlier, Romans 11, who has given to God what God should repay them? Nothing. I'm here purely because of God's mercy and forgiveness and his righteousness, and I'm here to receive. James 1 verse 17 says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So this changes the perspective of our daily bread prayers, because it forces us to be reminded that we are not in charge. We are not in control. Prayer replaces control with trust. And maybe that's something that hinders us from going to prayer more often. For some of us, it's a disillusionment because we prayed for things and we didn't get what we wanted, so I don't trust God. I don't think he knows what is best for me. Maybe there's a lack of trusting in God's character, not because he failed us, but because there's shame that keeps us. And we believe the lies of the shame of the evil one that we are not worthy of the good gifts. Or maybe some of us, we just kind of go through the motions because that's what we're supposed to do. We don't want to be the black sheep in the family. And so we just give lip service, but we really don't believe in the power of prayer, of the divine, of the Holy Spirit in us. And so he's saying, come in with confidence. When we trust God with our worldview, but not with our current experiences in the world, we're just falling victim to control. That self-sufficiency that we, we know what's best for us. Proverbs 30, eight through nine says this, says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? right? We get entitled, we get comfortable. Or I may become poor and steal, and so to dishonor the name of my God. We get desperate and we scramble and we just do whatever we can out of desperation to have some sort of stability in our lives. But even there, we see this idea of this daily bread. Now, God is not opposed to our desires for material possessions and blessings but what he is against is the joylessness that those things give us. And that creates idols in our lives and what we go after. This idea of being content with what Jesus gives us today is enough to trust in him. But sometimes, myself included, I think, well, God, if you would just do this in my life, I would trust you more. God, if you would give me this, God, if I could make more money, God, if you would show up in this way, then I would trust you more easier. It'd be, I'd follow you more boldly. And what that is, is that is a pattern of deceit and lies that we can trace all the way back to the garden when this great deceiver whispered that into Eve, saying, God, is holding out on you. 
meaning that God doesn't want you to be like him because he has better things for himself. He's holding back. God does not hold back from his children. I mean, he, he sent his son to the cross. He literally gave it all freely for us. He does not hold back. But yet we can still believe that whisper that comes silently. And then when we feed that lie, it becomes bigger and louder. So we need to address that, address the elephant in the room, the source of those lies. And so, for example, gratitude is the God-given reward who can stomach praying for the small, minute things. So, for example, I talked about back scratches and prayers. The mornings in our house. I, I make lunches, and so I'm, I'm down there, and I sit there, I'm making my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, I'm not sitting there being like, Holy Spirit, direct my knife as I evenly spread proportionally across the surface. Do I do peanut butter or jelly first? It's peanut butter. Only monsters do jelly. Uh, and that's just, that's science. Um, but I sit there and I go, God, thank you that I can send food with my kids today. And while I'm thinking about it, God, thank you that my kids have education in their lives. And so then that leads me to start praying for my kids and then their teachers and their administration. And then I switch lanes to the other school that's represented in my family. And next thing I know, five, 10 minutes pass and I look down and the guy didn't make my sandwich. And now the kids are coming in, they're yelling. And it was just this super spiritual moment. And all of a sudden the flesh comes out, like, get out of the car. You know, we're late. Da, 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 da. It's like, but I love you. And I've been praying for you. It's like, okay, I'm not the only one, right? Okay, good. I just want to make sure but we find the moments to bring the divine into the normalcy of our schedules. And when we do that, we begin to see the sensitivity of gratitude of God's blessings in our lives. And so when we become content with these things, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live with anxiety how things are gonna happen. We work hard for those things, absolutely, because if we're just lazy and we're laying back like God's gonna gift me everything, they're just gonna fall into my lap, I don't have to do anything, that's laziness. And God speaks very clearly that he detests laziness. We were created to be hard workers. But at the same time, we also wanna make sure that we believe that God is gonna bring these things. In Matthew, um, he talks about this, like, if I take care of my creation, the birds, the plants, and things like that, I will breathe food and clothes. Like, you might not have all the clothes that you wanna have in your closet, but I'm gonna take care of the needs for today because that is how much I love you. And so here's what we do is we're called to seek first the kingdom of God. Hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, seek first the kingdom of God. And when we do this, all these things will be added to you. Number two, when we recognize uh, after we pray daily bread prayers, we recognize our collective need. There's a plurality to this prayer. Our Father, give us, forgive us, lead us. The only singular pronoun that we see, and even then, go with me on this, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, being your, being God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, your will be done. And I think it's important that we point that out because when we point out that that is our directive, that is our prerogative, God reveals the things in our lives that might be at war for that spot in our life. Because if we're praying to the other things that give us self-sufficiency, those other idols, 
uh, then we're not honoring the first commandment of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So if we're saying, God, you are enough, then you are enough. And so I will take from you what you give freely to your children and I will not chase the things that this world provides or offers. So this is where Paul's talking about this, this intercessory nonstop prayer where we're praying for ourselves. You know, we sit there and like maybe you snapped, you had a short fuse and you said something to your spouse or to a coworker or your kids and you're like, I messed up, God, forgive me. Thank you that you give me second chances. Help me to restore trust. We could also pray, God, forgive us collectively for the times we mess up. Pray for us as we struggle with the areas of doubt in our faith. Like There's power in praying collectively for each other. Even if we don't know the weeds and the details of people's prayer requests, we can still go on behalf because the Holy Spirit, and we did that this morning praying for our brothers and sisters on the other side of the globe. We're gonna have a chance this morning to actually practice some of these prayers corporately. But Father, forgive them, Jesus said. Intercessory prayer, he prayed for his enemies, but he also prayed for those that he loved. Daily bread prayers reveal our true selves because it changes us and it changes the people we pray for. It makes us less selfless when we pray on behalf of other people. And so Jesus desires that we pray as individuals, but we also pray collectively for that uh, collective need for the body of Christ. Because the Bible is all about community, and that community flourishes collectively, both locally and globally. We see that in Psalms where it says, how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. And so we pray for that unity too. Number three, when we pray daily bread prayers, we are seeking spiritual nourishment. John 6, 48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread of life that comes from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I, Jesus, am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And this bread is my flesh, and I will give for the life of the world. Now, if you're not familiar with Old Testament history, what he's talking about here is in the Old Testament Exodus, when Israel was freed from persecution and slavery of Egypt, they were given a promised land, but they had to wander for 40 years because of their grumbling and lack of faith or trust. And Moses led these people, uh, and all the while it came to a time where they ran out of their resources and their rations, and so they are just they're ungrateful, they're grumbling. Even though they saw God do the miraculous, getting them out, they doubted, they called questions. And so Moses goes to God and says, help, I don't know what to do. And so God who led his people through the desert by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night says this, like, I will bring manna for them. The rain will fall on the wilderness and the desert and in the morning it will be like bread. And they will go out and take just enough for that day. Because if they take more, it'll spoil. It says actually they take it back to their tents, it would spoil and maggots would come and like infest their things and, like, and spread. It's just gross, but it's also a powerful picture of that lack of dependence or lack of trust and faith. And so they would get up every morning, they'd go out and they would take just enough, that daily bread just for today. And so Jesus is saying, I am that daily bread for you now. 
that my body that I will lay down and sacrifice for you is enough. And so you're gonna have to come to me each day, just enough, and then come back tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that. This is the daily bread. Because God will not withhold from us, like I said earlier, because he did not even spare his own son. So why would he do that for us? This is not accepting Christ necessarily into our hearts. Every, here, I want you to hear that. So when we say, we go to God and say, I need your mercy, I need your grace, I need your forgiveness. It's not that like we, we fell out of grace and we need to like get back in again. That's not what this is, but it's, it's a way of centering and anchoring our identity and our value and our calling each day. God gives us our identity and that's set for eternity. But we need to be anchored to what our responsibility is in this life And so that's what going to God each and every day is about. He wants us to be reminded that his mercies are new every morning. So every morning we anticipate that as we go to God, that he gives us new mercies. He gives us new grace so that our cup overflows and so that that way we can be so full of his presence and spirit that we cannot help but then go out and bless those in our lives. But the caution is, again, that trap of self-sufficiency can give us the driest spiritual experience that one could ever have. It's like those maggots that just wreak havoc in our soul. That's why John 15, Jesus talked about that anchoring thing using this example, this beautiful imagery of the vine and the branch. He says, if you remain in me, it says in some translations, others say, if you abide in me, and remain in me, you will have life and you will flourish and you will be fruitful beyond your imagination. Because if you are detached from the vine and you are detached from the brain, you, 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 you will have fruit, but it will spoil and it will not be replenished. And it says that you'll just get tossed into the fires and burn because you need to have that connection to the heavenly father to experience that daily bread experience. This type of intimacy breeds both relationship and empowerment because asking is the experience of prayer at its most relational. When we are going to God, even though God is all-knowing, he knows everything about us, he wants to hear us ask. Even when we are in the most basic or most dire needs, and it's like, it's so obvious, God, what I need, I just need you. He empowers us and he wants to hear us ask specifically. And we see time and time again in the Gospels when Jesus was with people who were hurting, ailments, sick, he would ask them, do you want to be healed? And it's like, yes, of course. And he's like, I want to hear you say it. Jesus could have just walked in through town and just simply by being in the presence, it could have just been like, seeing the wave in a stadium, right? You know, of just the healing power, just go through a place. But Jesus invites his children because of that intimacy, I want to hear you ask. And because I'm your loving father and the giver of good things, as it gives glory to me, I want to answer and intercede. I heard it said that a God-given desire is only fulfilled by God-given means because heaven is the engine room but earth is where our prayers are answered. Another way of saying that, the earth is the atmosphere in which the heaven invades in response to our requests. 
Which then leads me to this last point, that daily bread prayers remind us of the promise and the presence of God. This isn't a sermon about why doesn't God answer my prayers. And I say that because these last two months, daily dependence on the living God at times is all I've had to cling to. I've experienced the joy and the jubilation of standing in front of a crowd watching two people come together as husband and wife and celebrate. I've also stood in front of people as loved ones have been put in the ground. And I've been in memorials where people have been ripped from our life. Sorry. And it's like, God, why? Many of those situations, prayers of joy for answering, bringing a godly spouse for my child, and yet feeling that I've been robbed. And so it just brings me back to the place the foot of Jesus, the daily bread prayers of his promise of his presence and his power in my life. Because you see, pain is a portal to great, deep faith in God. But pain can also be a portal that people run from God in anger and hurt. So when we face pain, and not just pain like I'm disappointed because I didn't get that, that promotion or I didn't get that grade that I studied for or I asked somebody out and they rejected me, but I'm talking about earth life-shattering pain that doesn't change that God is good, that doesn't change that he is faithful, it does not change it as mercies are new every morning. And even if his will is not my will, it does not mean that God caused those things. We live in a broken world where sin and evil are running rampant and we live in brokenness physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And there are things that are gonna play out that just challenge us and break us this side of eternity until God's kingdom is here in this earth. But we get glimpses of that when we are in the presence of Jesus and how we pray. So I wanna end with this passage of Psalm 23, and I love it because it is, it is a prayer of daily bread. 
The Lord is my shepherd. He is the bread giver. I lack nothing because he gives me all that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul and he guides me along the right paths. Not for Tyler's name, for God's name's sake. And not if, but when. I walk through the darkest of valleys. I will fear no evil. Not because you are at the finish line being like, keep coming, I'm here, I'll be here. But it says, you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That is present tense language. That when we say, God, give me today this daily bread, that is a present need and God gives that. And then this stuck out to me this week, read it countless of times before, but for whatever reason, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So even when we are in the midst of our hardships and we are battling things, fear, anxiety, self, uh, self uh, worth issues, depression, and we just feel like we can't take another step forward because our enemies' voices are just overwhelming. What is God's word saying? I'll meet you there. And I'm gonna provide a feast for you and me to enjoy a rich presence and encounter so that even in the presence of your enemies, they know that I am God, they are not, and that I have sovereign power over all things in this world. You anoint my head with oil. And it's not like just a drop. He doesn't just tease us as a reminder. It says that our cups overflow to the point like, God, I can't take any more, but thank you. And surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell future hope, future promise in the house of the Lord forever. So when I read that passage of scripture, I just see daily bread all over that. And the promise of the presence and power of a heavenly father who loves his sons and daughters. And so we can just say, Father, give. And not from a place of entitlement or selfishness, but just utter dependency on our creator. And so we're gonna practice that this morning. The act of asking, the act of receiving, and the act of listening. So I'm gonna invite, stand up, just where you are in your seats. And there is a posture of prayer, simple. And it doesn't enhance the prayer experience. God is not listening. All of a sudden, like, whoa, the hands are up. Hold on. But it is a posturing of our hearts. That when we say, Father, give me this day our daily bread, we just listen and we receive, and we ask. And so we're gonna do that. And we're gonna sit here for about 
I don't know, 60, 90 seconds. And I'm okay with silence. And maybe that's sometimes it's a hard for us to hear God's voice and to focus on God because of all the things that vie for our attention. So I invite you just in the quietness of your hearts, in the posture of ready and willing to receive what it is that we ask of God in this place this morning, that we would do that now. Holy Spirit, give us this day our daily bread. And with our hearts and our hands and minds still in this place, I'm going to invite us to do something that might feel uncomfortable, requires vulnerability, but there's no shame. There might, people be, there might be people in this room, in this space today that are like, I received the bread, but I need seconds. I need more. If there is something going on in your life and you would like prayer, I'm just going to invite you just to, with one hand open, but with your other hand, just to raise your hand from where you are. We're not going to share these prayers. We're not going to verbalize them. This is the beauty of how petition and intercession come together. Because I invite those of you who are not raising your hand, if there is someone nearby with a hand up, I invite you to do one of two things. One, you can just simply extend a hand in their direction. You don't need to know what's going on. The Holy Spirit does. But if there is someone close by to you, and they're comfortable with it. I invite you just on their shoulder to lay a hand on them. And we're just gonna take another moment. And you can pray out loud. You can whisper your prayers. It could be the silence of the room, but the Lord is listening. 
But I want this morning to also be a time of ministry that we, we do just that. We pray and petition for our needs, and yet we can ask for others to intercede for those of us that need that extra encouragement this morning. So let's take a time and do that. Yes, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you know the hearts of the people. Pray that you'd be light. Comfort, wisdom. For hope, peace. They would rain down on this place. words of the prophet Isaiah. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. So Holy Spirit, I pray collectively for the faith family of Rolling Hills who are both here in this physical space, those who are watching from home online. God, would we just be reminded of a daily dependence upon you, the giver of gifts, the giver of, of forgiveness and mercy and grace and the restoration of a relationship with you that once was broken and nothing that we could ever fix on our own works. So we're reminded of the body that was broken for us. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this space who are hurting and they long to experience the wind under the wings of an eagle soaring mightily in the air. I pray today they would just be enveloped with your presence and feel the strength to take that next step. And that tomorrow you would help them take that next step. The day after that, the day after that. It's so good to be in your presence, Jesus. I pray this wouldn't just be a Sunday morning prayer, but this really would become the heartbeat of your followers. Our eyes would be so transfixed on you that our faith would be radically transformed to be more like you. That we think, love, and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ all the days of our lives. Amen.